Hey, how are you guys? Doing good. Hey. How are you? Pretty Hello. good. And yourself? I'm good. How are you guys feeling? Tired. <laughs> and I'm like, I've been working on job applications all day, actually. So I'm just That's, over it. Yeah, I feel that. Atla, how are you feeling? Today was my, um, my regular day off. I have a day off every two weeks, so. Uh, oh, that's cool. A little refreshed, but just back to work tomorrow. That's good. I just came back from a little mini road trip, so that was kind of fun, kind of anxiety-inducing, traveling in times of COVID, but <laughs> I'm trying to stay as safe as possible. Que vivan los estudiantes, jardín de nuestra alegría. Son aves que no se asustan de animal ni policía. So the rough translation um, is, um, I love the students, uh, gardens of joys, birds that, garden of joys, birds that do not fear either beast nor police. So that is the affirmation that we're starting this episode on. Um, it is a stanza of our, um, the song that has, you know, the inspiration for our podcast name. And I would even say the um, podcast concept. Um, so it's a beautiful, it comes from, you know, this beautiful, beautiful musical style um, that's fused with, you know, um, folk style music uh, that includes political messages, you know, that spoke about or that speak about the social conditions of uh, the people in Latin America and this genre that it comes from, uh, Nueva Canción, right? Like we said in our uh, in our preview or in our in our teaser, you know, it, it was really a genre um, that was used as a tool to to move the masses and to really motivate uh, people to be political and to be um, involved, right? And it was, it's just as much as it is a tool for the, these these movements, I think that it's um, a beautiful song and a beautiful um, genre. And so the most visible of these protests in Latin America, um, whether it be in Chile, in, Me in Mexico, or in El Salvador, you know, um, all of these different movements in Latin America, you know, the most visible um, population that um, I would say participated in these movements um, were students. And while we have used, you know, this concept of Pajarios Libertarios to guide our podcast as a reflection of what we as students um, believed in and continue to uh, believe in, um, I think we do have have to understand the context with, with which with which the song um, was written, right? It was a it, it was a time where there were massive student protests across Latin America, fighting against all you know the injustices and inequity in the '60s up until now, really. So us as individuals who have roots in Latin America recognize that our struggles are not at all the same and we don't try to pretend that they are. You know, we have the privilege of citizenship and while there is no denying that we um, as a community in 
this country do, you know, experience injustices um, on this uh, border as well. Um, we don't, you know, pretend that it's, you know, it's, um, we just recognize, right, that that privilege, that we do have that privilege, but we, you know, because of our roots, you know, both for Tammy and Atla, Mexico and I, um, and Salvador, our political consciousness or our theories of practice is as, is as affected by events that occur um, in our uh, mother countries just as much as, you know, the events that occur here because our connections go beyond and transcend borders. Um, so we want to use this medium to explore carry or channel that spirit of change and protest of our roots in our professions and really um, explore whether that is even possible. So, um, and, and I say, you know, that whether or not it's even possible because we also, I think as a collective, understand that revolution, you know, and I say revolution quote unquote or change, um, won't be led in this country by institutions or by professionalized fields, um, but by the people. And as cheesy as that may sound, or as cliche as that may sound, you know, people who uh, may not have degrees, who are working class or who are low income, you know, um, that change is going to be led by, um, or should actually be led by, right? Um, people who are most affected. And I think that if there's anything that my time in academia and in student spaces um, has taught me is that our communities, you know, have been fed the idea or and the lie that they aren't smart enough to make change and made to um, instinctively uh, continue on survival mode. Um, but I, I think, you know, we'll um, have these conversations a little bit, you know, in the future, but I think that um, there is this wealth of knowledge and power uh, that our community has um, that they may not be aware of or they need or that wealth of knowledge is um, or power or their voice is silenced um, on purpose, right? Um, and that power and that knowledge is is the one that should be harnessed, you know, into into real change because that's where uh, change is. And uh, us as students or students of life, you know, because I, in my opinion, I still very much feel like a student um, that are from um, work working class backgrounds or underserved communities, you know, have the power to either honor, um, value and um, uplift the voices of our communities or we also, you know, if, and we also have that power to silence and join, you know, the the class of power and destroy them just as much as uh, others, you know, have before us. So we will kind of share our background and our educational um, experiences with you all in this episode so that you all can get a really grounded um, understanding of where um, we're coming from and where our uh, opinions of different things or our perspectives on in our professions come from. So I'll start off with myself. Um, I am from a uh, sociology and urban and regional uh, studies background. I actually started off at a community college, uh, which is Los Angeles Valley College. I moved, I transferred over to UCLA 
Uh, and then after graduating at UCLA, I started my master's program at Harvard's Graduate School of Design. Um, Tammy, do you want to take it away? So I'm glad that you mentioned community college, Sarai, and in your experience, because I feel that a lot of people who do transfer don't necessarily mention their community college experience. Um, and I think if more people did, uh, people would, we, there would be sort of um, a new wave of students who were proud of their accomplishments of community college. Um, on that note, I also went to community college, but I first started at UCI after high school. Then I went to community college. I went to East LA College, ELAC. And then I ended up deciding to go to Cal State LA to finish my bachelor's degree. Um, and I did my, I have my bachelor's degree in public health. Um, and although Cal State LA doesn't have an emphasis specifically for public health, the, the um, academic curriculum at Cal State LA is community health sciences. So a lot of like program planning and community outreach, et cetera. And then for graduate school, I got my master's of public health at the Fielding School of Public Health at UCLA. What about you, Atla? What's your educational experience? Uh, basically, I, I went to UCI as well with Tamar. Um, my first two years, I didn't even know what I was doing there because I wanted to go to Baylor University because um, they had an aviation program and they also had um, kinesiology slash like athletic training. Um, and I was like interested in both because I wanted to do like I was thinking about doing PE teacher just because like I like sports and stuff um, or just kind of like just being outdoors um, and uh, aviation with because that was just kind of like my childhood thing I just wanted to fly planes but second year in I find out about this program um, well this class that introduced me to urban studies <clears throat> And pretty much just like learning about like all these um, inequities that have been in place through like policy and through like um, different levels of, of policy from like state, local, federal that affected like people's lives at, at the at the street level. So that that got me really interested. I ended up choosing um, my major to be urban studies, and then I took about two years off and um i did some internship and volunteer with the with the same um community organization in south la that does affordable housing i volunteered with them first then they got me as an intern and then they hired me full-time for a couple months and then i started my master's program at usc uh for city planning so that's basically how i went from uh high school to my master's and i also did a, a educational study abroad program um, where we went to Iceland and we studied uh, renewable energy because that was like my that's my concentration it was like it's sustainability and sustainable land use so I was able to take advantage and go on that trip um, explore Iceland you know like the scenic um, side of it but also like in the sustainability side of it so although all three of us have had different um, experiences in academia, we've gotten to these different points of our academic trajectory maybe a little bit differently. We are all uh, first-gen college graduates and have been uh, first-gen college students. So I want to ask both of you, uh, what does 
being first gen mean to you or what do you think about when you reflect on your time as a first gen student and maybe even up until now being you know first gen uh quote-unquote uh professionals you know in our society yeah um when i think about first gen or my experience as being first gen it's mostly tied to my experience of being a first gen college student um both at my undergraduate education and um, my graduate education being first gen was apparent. And for undergrad, for an undergrad, I think mostly because I started at a four-year university, um, just like the application process, understanding FAFSA, it was like a completely different for myself and for my parents compared to my younger siblings. I mean, my older siblings. Um, and then for grad school, um, it was more of it being like known um, that there was a little bit of folks who identified as first gen college students um, in that space. And I think that's what like, made me realize more um, how, how being first gen is not, even though like it's celebrated by like the institution, I remember um, it, mentioning this to you, Sally, but it's not like we, we're celebrated by the institution because we're first gen and we're sort of like we made it. Yeah. And we're celebrated by our families, too, because we're also college students like from our family, like um, they helped us get there. Our community like helps us get there. Um, but it's rarely talked about or now mostly um, we we do although it's like identified that we need the extra help for like retention um it's like the institution is still not there to provide that that help and this sort of also just speaks on to like representation of if we have a little bit of first-gen students then representation and like at an administrative level uh, of first uh, first-gen admin or first-gen college grads who come back to um, help change the institution is needed so that the tools are provided for so that our experience is not only celebrated but when it is celebrated um we're, we make sure that we're addressing the needs of this population i always um like to say or, or at least when i've um done reflections about my time um you know since i've uh graduated I really, and actually like during, you know, my time in academia, I would always remind myself that, you know, as a first-gen student, um, I'm not there um, despite of, you know, where I come from or despite my background. I am there because of my background, because of my family and because of um, the different, um lessons that um, were taught to me and the different values that were taught to me. And although, you know, like Tammy said, um, you know, we're, we're celebrated or we're put on a pedestal of some kind because, you know, we've come against all odds or we've done the unimaginable and um, right, quote unquote, right? Because at the same time, sometimes I'm like, well, I mean, it was school, you know, what I would consider as an unimaginable or as like worthy of 
um, praise, I would say, is, you know, the experiences that my parents have gone through, my grandparents have gone through, uh, specifically, and despite, you know, having, um, struggles, you know, they've raised us, and they've done a pretty wonderful job, if I may say so, (laughs) um, and that, you know, uh, that is not need, like, it's not needed, it's, Institution validation is not needed, at least on my end, from, from for that. And I think um, another reflection that I that I've made or that I have come to, um, and I'm kind of also a little embarrassed to say this, just because for a long time my experience in academia, I was like, well, I have to do this because I need to prove right that my parents. Um, uh, sacrifices were worth it and and that sentiment I think that for me I when I analyzed that sentiment a little bit deeper I was like well why do I need right institution validation or the, the validation from the institution um, to kind of like I don't know say that their struggles were finally worth it right I think that they were incredible and they are incredible with or re- without you know my um academic achievements and you know I don't I and I I don't mean to sound grateful at ungrateful right at all and I think that that's another um struggle right as a first-gen student um uh like that line right between you know being really grateful for all the opportunities that are given to you and the, the access that you have but also you know um recognizing that um this access or this new door that has been opened to us or or I would say that we've opened right um kind of sometimes it 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 pushes a divide on us I feel with our community and that for me I I would say that first gen uh means to me trying to bridge that divide right constantly trying to bridge the divide between my you know um academics I would say and my family um and my community um Atla do you what do you think about when you when you think about first gen yeah so first gen for me I think of it in like two aspects in the aspect of like identity and in the aspect of representation um kind of going off a a comment that Tamara had had mentioned where uh, she wasn't sure if to put first gen or not because her, her mom had gone to a community college, taken some classes at community college. In a way, I kind of also was a little confused at first because, um, well, my mom didn't get to to um, graduate from high school in Mexico, but my dad went to the uni- uh, university in Mexico. So I thought, do I count as first gen like college student or does my dad count or you know, it was it was a bit confusing for me at first. Um, in the end, while well, his education in Mexico doesn't really count here unless he takes additional classes and gets certified. So um, I would always identify as like first gen college student here in the U.S. In the aspect of identity, I feel um, or representation, I feel like it's a responsibility like for us to not forget like where our roots are from um, and who we are as people. 
because uh, I feel like it could be easy to just, you know, go off into to college and kind of just want to get away from everything. Um, especially because I, I feel like a lot of first gen students have have never been out, um, you know, really far from their homes or from their parents. Um, maybe because of like income or like access to, you know, to resources where um, some families might go out like out of the country, you know, to like Europe every summer or something. Um, a lot of first gen students might not have the opportunity. So when first gens as, as students want to, you know, kind of just go out and experience something different, um, I feel like it's important to kind of keep that representation of who we are, where our parents are from, like, you know, our roots. And I think that comes with a lot of struggles as, as well as defining like what, what person you want to be. Do you, do you want to keep that the representation that, that you want to have of, you know, I'm first gen student and, um, you know, my parents came from Mexico or my came, parents came from El Salvador but I'm here now, or do you want to just kind of like, just kind of like put that in the past and just do your own thing, which is, is not wrong to say, um, it's not wrong for where someone chooses um, to kind of like lead their life, but it's just a matter of like choosing. And I feel like that's a, a struggle in a way for first gen students to kind of like choose their path. Uh, a lot of first gen students don't have like the, the luxury from their parents having have had done those things before so a lot of these experiences and these um, new steps in life they're a first time for them or if they have um, a sibling like for example uh, my sister went to um, university before me to well she went to a private private school um, so I had some guidance in that sense um, but it was my first time uh, doing a master's program. So in that aspect, I was, I had the, uh, I had my friends, I had my family as like support systems for making that decision. But um, I didn't really know somebody who can guide me on like, hey, you should do this or hey, maybe it's not, um, maybe you shouldn't do that right now. So in that experience, for me, that was the first one because I wasn't I, I didn't have like someone who guided me through that experience, but uh, I think it's important to also like remember those experiences and, you know, give back to your community and help out others who, who are going through those experiences so that they don't have it or they don't struggle as hard as you did. And that's kind of how you move up as, as a community. For sure. And I think also just like more than just like first gen college student in general, like experience. Um, también is like the experience of being first gen within your field. And if you don't know anybody that has done or majored in what you, you want to um, pursue, it's like even like another layer of struggle, hardship of like just like a ton of questions and not knowing where to go where the person would understand like the entirety of where you're coming from like for myself it's like okay i'm interested in health i first started like wanting to be a doctor and um, i remember asking a ton of questions to a whole bunch of people and each person's like 
recommendations or experience was different uh, and not that it's bad but it was just like I always found myself with more questions rather than answers um, and then just also being first gen sort of opens your eyes to how maybe how limited I don't want to um, I don't want to generalize that all families are like are, are like this but uh, I'll speak on myself like um, what careers is it that our families consider to be careers or know that they exist um at least for myself it was i don't know why my mom was always um like consistent in wanting one of us um again i'm the middle child of five wanting one of us to be a secretary and to study to be a secretary i still don't understand like why um but yeah none of us ended up studying to be that and none of us are secretaries but um just like even like explaining what our field is, what our career, ideal career or job. And even that, like we don't know that specifically ourselves either, like concretely. And then having to explain that is also, and not like hardship, but it's sometimes it's like, even just a struggle to put it into words, what my field is and explaining it to, to other folks. Yeah, it's a, I can totally agree with that. And um, have that, I have that experience as well where like, my parents um, sort of have like this idea of you where oh, I want you to be a doctor or an engineer or an architect or you know something along, along those lines because that's kind of like what they know you know as to be successful so when I told them oh, like I changed my major to urban studies like I didn't even know how to explain that because I didn't I didn't know entirely what urban studies was or urban planning until I realized, oh, well, you work with the city to like help guide the growth of the city and stuff like, and you know, things like that. So then, oh, they, they like understood it, but it, I feel like, you know, they didn't understand it a hundred percent. So it, it, it's a struggle to like, first you being exposed to like, you know, these new careers and like these new like options, but also like explaining that to your family, to your parents. Um, I think that's also another struggle. I definitely can relate. I think I there's times where I don't even know also I I feel like I still kind of don't know what to tell people like what urban planning is sometimes. Um so I can totally relate to that. I think as first gen students we don't we also have other struggles, right, on our on our plates. Um you know, just home responsibilities, um you know, all the finances uh, or considering all the finances of how the heck to pay for school, how to be able to help at home. So I think that like I we've been talking a lot about the struggles, I think. Um, and I mean, we, the list can go on and on and on. Um, but I think that I really want to end with the note that like first gen, yes, we struggle. Yes. And there's obviously systemic issues in place that um we feel on on a personal and deep level that many of our um colleagues don't um but I think that we also have a I would say I I call it like a superpower you know um I think our family's um knowledge and 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 um power that that you know they've they've transmitted to us is just um something that has been you know like maybe not it hasn't been recognized but I think that 
personally, that's what is really important to me. And um, I remember seeing a post um, on LinkedIn saying, um, saying like, oh, a lot of our working class parents have taught us so many lessons, uh, much more valuable than any, you know, professor could. So I, that like, I, there, I acknowledge, right, we have struggles and there, there's no um, denying that. But I always like to look at first gen as like, um, as a superpower, honestly, I don't even know how to describe it. But um, so moving on to I want to I also want to hear about um, what motivated both of you to uh, pursue higher education. Um, what was the push for you? Well, I, for myself, honestly, there, I mean, there is like a, like, this is a reason why I pursued higher education, but I think mostly it was like, if I'm not going to do it, then what am I going to do sort of thing? Like education was like, I always get a college degree. Like the, the message from my parents at least was like, get a college degree so that you don't have to work like a, a labor intensive job. Um, and then college is generally equated with a higher financial stability um and i think that's where that's where like that messaging from my parents comes from and not that it's it's not accurate but it's not always that right um i know i'm gonna go back to sort of what we were talking about before but i think also even when we choose our major when we choose our career because of our first gen identity um there's also the afterthought that Sarai was mentioning about who else do we bring into the institution like our family like their dreams but like it's not easy for a first gen student to choose like a non-common major or a non-common career if there is not like like for sure security that i'm going to get a job when i graduate um but yeah i mean pursuing higher education was sort of like always on the table um and it it wasn't until i physically applied and i saw like the fafsa application that i saw how much it costs to go to college um understanding costs and and all of that especially coming from k through 12 public education where we never really paid um out of pocket um but understanding all of that it was that was like the only factor that if there was an if of pursuing college it was that but I mean after I first entered then that was that and yeah what about you Atla? For me it's the same thing you know um it was kind of like if you're not gonna go to college then you better get to work or you know help us pay the rent you know <laughs> that kind of um you know uh, mentality of like you got to do something. You can't just like, you know, be around and like not do anything. Um, so that's pretty much like why I chose to go to, to uh, university. As I had mentioned before, I was like interested in a different, in a different um, major, but you know, that, that changed around like halfway um, at my uh, school. But yeah, it's pretty much like a, a, a table thing for, I feel for a lot of like first gen students where their parents always constantly reminding them like estudia, study, you know, um, do your homework, do this, do that. Um, don't get, don't get distracted with other things. Uh, focus on your studies so that 
you know, you have a good job later on. And, you know, it's something that's always reminded to, to us as I feel personally as like first gen students, you know, people who have parents that came um, from out of the U.S. and from a, a region where it's like harder to access higher education, um, costs more as well. So I think, you know, that the motivation comes from a, from a, from the, uh, like a persistence of like your fa your parents, your family wanting, wanting, you know, the next generation of their family to do better than them. I think that um, it's, it um, definitely, I think not only does it come from a, a persistence of like what our parents tell us, I think it also just comes, right? I mean, it overlaps from a need, right? From a need that um, we have to, you know, go back home. And by go back, I just mean, you know, um, if you've been out of state, like you have to go back home and help you know, your family, it's, it's a, it's a responsibility, um, that is unique, I feel to, to us, right, because other people have, like, what is it, like, funds, right, and, and parents, and other parents, right, have retirement, like, all these other things that, you know, we, we, our families might not have, or, um, or sufficient funds for that, um, but I think what motivated, me to pursue education, I think similarly was a um, constant reminder of like, go to school, go to school, so you don't have to do, you know, a, a, a job where uh, you're constantly like moving around and constantly on your feet and, and being or like a service type job, right? Um, and it's, like, it is something that I actually shared with Tammy uh, one time, like, our, I and I didn't, right, when you're young, you don't really think about um, these things uh, critically. Uh, but once I, I, I grew older, you know, I, or the, the, the phrase was like, estudia para que no seas como yo, or estudia this because of that. Um, and I remember like that phrase has stuck with me since I've, I've been really young. And I remember at one point I was like, well, right. Estudia para que no, sea, no seas como yo. Like, yo, like, do I, I understand what they were saying, right? Obviously like not have, um, a job, a service job. Um, but like, our, like, and I know that I always go back to this, but honestly, like, that's what I truly feel like to my core, like just because it's a service job, you know, it doesn't mean that they don't have, they have less value, um, as, as people. And, um, I feel like, and for me personally, right, like my, the way that my family got here, um, was literally crossing borders and not just one border, but like two and three, three different borders, like on foot, on train. Um, so that to me is something that it's like, well, I, I don't think I could ever do that. So you clearly had like so much bravery, maybe like more bravery and like in the nail of your finger than I probably feel like I will ever have in my whole lifetime, right? So now that I'm older, I think about it like I I feel like um yes, um right, we I want to be able to help out 
um, at home, and that's the biggest reason that I uh, pursued higher education. Um, but I've always come back to, well, like, it was always, I think, kind of rooted from a place that they that they don't have value. And I, 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 I don't um, agree with that. But obviously, like, that's, that was their sentiment. Um, and there's, there's been multiple occasions where in my academic uh, career trajectory, um, that like, inferiority, um, or I guess, superiority from this side of academics or um, my professors or administration, right, was kind of thrown at me. And those were probably, um, like, those were really impactful negatively in my academic career. Um, As an example, I think there was one, there was a couple, and I'll just share one. Um, I remember um, I started off at community college and I, it was a requirement for you to check in with your advisor. Uh, so I checked in and let him know of my plans, my academic plans. And at the time, although I didn't necessarily know exactly what I was doing, like I did know that I wanted to transfer to a UC school. So the first thing that was in my mind was UCLA. And so I went in and I had a very negative experience with this man. And I he basically said like, oh, well, you can't get into that school. So you need, and based on my high school grades, right? Um, not on anything that I'd, I had done because that was my first semester in community college. And um, he was just like, no, you can't, like, this is not, that's maybe a little bit too, too, um, rigorous for you maybe you need to look into other schools and I was like uh no like I'm gonna go I want you to help me out tell me the classes that I need to take for UCLA it's like all right I'll give it to you but I'm also gonna give you other classes and so that was the beginning of one of of like many experiences that have negatively impacted me in in like I mean I guess negatively but it's been a negative experience but also a positive experience in the sense that like I've, I've gained um, the confidence to say like, no, I'm gonna do it, um, regardless of if you help me or not. But negative in the sense that like, after that, there was, after that experience, I never, ever, 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 and I truly mean ever, ever went back to like an academic advisor. Um, It wasn't up and I think it wasn't until maybe my last semester at UCLA where I went to go talk to somebody just because I was like I just I guess I was um yeah I I I had a I just did not want to experience something like that again so I just never never went back so do you have do either of you have like a positive or negative moment in your academic journey that you want to share yeah I just want to uh, your thought, like when you were speaking, I was like, like first of like um, the comment that you made about like your parents or your family, um, like the expression of que no seas como yo sort of sort of thing. I remember when I first wrote like a college essay, like an entrance um, at in twelfth eleventh grade. I think it's eleventh or twelfth. I forgot at this point. But when I first wrote like my my personal statement, and it's weird because I think everybody else within my cohort, we were in a program that was helping us prepare to apply for college. And like all of us, um, I mean, I went to Garfield High School in East LA, the majority of 
folks in that program were first gen also um, Hispanic Latino ethnicity or identifying um, but like no les miento like everybody in in our first draft of our personal statement wrote I want to go to college because I want to be somebody in life um, and the feedback from that particular counselor was like she like read not to like to mention that she practically like read it out our entire like um, first draft and probably left one sentence but like that was the first one and she made sure like to tell everyone like what do you mean to be someone in life you already are someone and I still remember to this day because it was just like an awkward thing like okay like yeah now that I think about it it's like yes we're someone but it's just like I guess um the way I think about it now is like why is it that 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 expression like even though we we know it comes from like a good place um it's sort of multi-generational and it's carried um and then at what point i'm just thinking of, at what point in our generations will we no longer have that expression where we want our kids to be even though we would want i mean if future kids if i ever did have them like i would want them to be better in a way like be successful but when do we stop using that phrase so that we don't feel um like i don't know for myself is it maybe like guilt i don't know um but it, yeah that's what i was thinking first today about that um but i experienced also like with um college counselor at uci that was like the first time and i remember i cried and um uci was an entire experience in itself but um when i visited the college counselor there yeah also i just it was super bad experience and then at ELAC, I went a couple of times. They were a lot more kind, thankfully. Um, but, but yeah, like, it's always, um, I think all the feedback I remember I would get would be like, this is more like obtainable sort of um, career path or educational pathway um, instead of more of like, a, yeah, you can more like a supportive to reach sort of our goals. Um, so those were... I guess negative but a positive i i wanna just also mention that at ucla i think the first time that i was able to speak spanish with someone who i was working with she was um she is the assistant director of admissions for ucla fielding school of public health i remember just giving her feedback i was on a committee for first-gen students and i was giving her feedback from one of our sessions and I just like naturally, I naturally speak Spanglish. So I naturally just started speaking Spanglish with her also. And it was just like, until the end, I realized that that happened. Um, and it was the first time that I was able to speak to someone in Sp Spanish openly about like academics and just like experience. Um, so even though they are like representation is limited in institutions, I feel like it, when they are there, um, it's just a nice, feeling to see folks that look like you yeah what about you Atla? yeah so um you know i i can agree to all those points especially the one about like um writing i want to be somebody in life but i i remember writing something like that and now that i think about it because you mentioned it i'm like you know like it's actually kind of wrong telling people to like telling these little kids that like hey you got to write your essay say that you want to be somebody in life when it's like um, it, it's, I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, it, it, it kind of feels wrong um, forcing, or not forcing, but like telling people that 
they got to do something so that they can like validate, you know, their life, you know? So, um, yeah, it's like, it, it, I think it, it goes back to like this thing of like, it, you have to find something that makes you money so that for someone to say, oh, look, he became somebody like be like him, you know? Um, I feel like I hear that a lot, but um, yeah, let's see, negative <laughs> um, moments in my academic career. Um, around my second year, I, I um, failed on my classes and I almost got kicked out of UCI. So um, that was like a real learning experience. And if Kipsa is hearing this, Kipsa like, I helped, well, I didn't help Kipsa, but I told him, I told him, I don't know, I, I don't know what you should do, like the best things to do so that you can get ahead, but I'll tell you what not to do. Cause like, I, I feel like I have all those experiences of where like, I could have done better, but I mess up here or here. But for me, I take those, you know, negative experiences and like turn them positive to like teach others and like, hey, don't do this, don't slack off, don't do that. Um, and I could also relate to, to Tammy's comment about, you know, speaking um, to, it, like the feeling of speaking to somebody in Spanish, because, you know, that's, that's like our roots in these institutions where uh, you, you, you think that these institutions are, are underrepresented, like from, with people of our roots. But if you think about it, like, like, you know, our people really like are keeping those institutions running, you know, that they're keeping the dorms clean. They're keeping like, you know, the food court running, you know, they're keeping, you know, the whole school, the whole institution running. And I, 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 this is a positive for me because whenever I am like walking around school or something and I hear somebody talking Spanish, if I hear like two, um, two ladies that are, you know, cleaning, speaking Spanish, um, I'll just like make up a question, but I'll talk to them in Spanish and just like, so that way we can have a conversation. And for me, it kind of like makes me feel good. Like, oh, you know, I have, I have people here, you know? And for them, like whenever I speak Spanish to them, you know, they, they light up, you know? And I would always do that at um, Subway at UCI and that at um, Panda Express soon. Um, and it was always the same people there. And, and after, after a while they recognize you and they just like, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a cool feeling. It's a, it's a nice feeling. Another, another positive experience um, for me, like a, a, a more, I guess, um, this, this was later on. This is, well, this is, I, I've spoken about this already, like my experience of like going to Iceland um, and learning about um, renewable energy. Um, I, I take that and, and I, I tell people like, Hey, if you have the, if you have the opportunity to go, because obviously like in some cases it's like pretty costly, but Hey, if, if you got a scholarship, like take advantage, you know, go, go study abroad, go learn something. Um, so, Cause sometimes it, it, it takes like you having to like be out of your comfort zone to like learn some things. Um, and for me, that was like, wow, like uh, it made me kind of jealous because like um, we we grow up learning like the U.S. is like this like superpower and and you you fly to another country and then you're like, wow, like even the little things like the airports run so much better over here. 
Um, so it's it's very wide opening, like traveling to to other countries, and it's not to like fantasize like European countries or anything, but like because because you know they're like white, but the experience of um, you know just going somewhere and like learning that you know Iceland runs 100% on renewable energy is like wow, like how come we can't do something like pretty awesome like that here? I've I've heard comments to us like of people who have gone to like Japan where it's like. I never take the train over here in the U.S. and they go to Japan. It's like everybody takes a train over there and they're so efficient. They're like so on time. They're never late. Like the, the latest they'll be is like five seconds. And if they're like late a minute, it's like a huge scandal across the country. It's like, um, yeah, if you have the opportunity to study abroad, um, you know, I, I would recommend you do it. I, I took out a loan to go study abroad, but, you know, I, I think it's worth it. USC already put me in debt, so what's another little loan? <laughs> but, but yeah, that was, those are my experiences. So I would say that I I know that we, we may all have like a lot of, I mean, at least I know that I do. I do have like a list of negative um, moments um, that if you're interested in hearing, maybe we can, you know, if you're listening, we can, we can talk about them more. Um, outside of this, of this medium. Um, but for me, a positive, um, is actually also in community college. I had a professor. I honestly forgot his name, but it's definitely a testament of like, you may forget about, you know, the way people look or who this person is, but you'll never forget about, um, how someone made you feel. And this particular assignment, it was like a short two page, uh, paper response to like a movie or I don't uh, remember what exactly um and I remember that specific paper because I I was stressing so much about it because it it was like I think one of the first assignments that I had to do in community college and um I was just I was really stressed over it and I remember um when I received it back um I was really surprised um, at the comments that he made on my paper. And it wasn't even like this lengthy comment. It was specific. It was, I think it was something like, or I, I actually had saved it for a long, long time. Um, and just because it just made such a big impact on me. Um, and it, he said, you know, uh, he said something along the lines of like, this was really great. You should look into um, applying to grad school. And if you do, please come talk to me. Um, so that I, I remembered that because I, I was really stressed about that paper. And it I was actually really surprised that I, he thought it was a good paper, a two page paper. Um, but I also never I, I never went like approached him because at the time I wasn't thinking at all about grad school I was like yeah right I'm just gonna do what I gotta do get my bachelor's and bounce because I was just like this isn't for me but then obviously at some point I was like well yes I need to do grad school so but it also goes to show right that like uh professors um comments right and 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 even just things that they say in classes can have a really big impact on our um on our journeys. And I think, um, I think one thing that we haven't, uh, we've left out is like, what has, is there, like, has there been a, a, an impactful moment, um, or realization for you and your family while you were in school or once you've graduated, um, at Flower Tammy? Impactful? 
impactful for like my family and I both, I think, well, at least for myself, from my family, when it became impactful, I think it was when they started asking me like questions about health and like, um, and it was more of like, just like what helped me understand sort of this paper, um, where I think a lot of first gen um, children or English speaking um, children in a monolingual home um, have sort of that duty to translate um, or be a translator for your parent, but I think more so because they knew I was studying public health. Um, and because I knew that I understood, uh, after like starting classes, I understood like our healthcare system. I think that was the most impactful for myself that I knew that I can make a difference first at home. And if I can help my parents understand, I knew that I was able to help um, my community um, in general, like East LA and just like Latino um, community in general. So I think that was like uh, an impactful moment. And then um, also in grad school, I think uh, again, trans the same sort of experience, but now more so um, specialized sort of understanding of public health, but now more of environmental health and knowing how our environment or how our community sort of shapes our health um, and knowing that experience firsthand living in East LA next to a highway uh, like noise pollution air pollution um, knowing my 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 dad and my uncles and my family sort of um, jobs and how that environment affects their health understanding um, and helping them sort of navigate or become become self-advocates for themselves and then just also there's something that I was thinking about. I think we sort of all spoke a, about a point where we became self-advocates for our own education um, while within the institution. I think that's what has been like the most impactful where I can help others um, bring that sort of to like fruition where we, we become self-advocates for ourselves, either like in healthcare or in education. But yeah, I think that that's what I carry the most with me. And um, personally, for me, like most impactful moments for me are not necessarily like impactful for me, but like when I help people through my experiences as some of them as negative as it might be, you know, someone hearing, oh my God, you, like that happened to you. Wow. Like, yeah, but you know, don't do that. So you won't end up or have to go through that, you know, like I did. Um, so for me, like those most impactful moments for me are like, when I hear from somebody that what I told them really helped them out. Um, Cause I, I love helping people. And, and that's kind of why I got into like, that is part of a big part of the reason why I got into city planning because I want to help people in cities um, that not everybody has the same opportunity and I want to make it as equitable as possible. But in the street level, <laughs> um, helping friends, family that, um, might that are are interested in pursuing higher education or just um, generally like anything and if they ask for my help you know I'm gonna do everything I can to help them out so for me those those moments where where they say like that really helped me out like you know it makes me happy and not because like I want to like um, uh, show off or anything but you know I just um, I think it's important help to help others so that you know as 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 a community we help each other out so you know we go advancing you know and 
and we do more and more like you know each generation because obviously you know um our latinos in the u.s are a few generations behind because of you know systemic um roadblocks basically so for me those are those are like impactful moments like those personal uh, moments and for my family i think um when my sister got accepted to her to her to her schools i think that was impactful because she was the first one and she really had to do it all on her own basically um because my parents didn't know how to do it um uh, and she learned all that on herself and then when she went to go study abroad in in uh paris um you know that uh, it just showed like that we can we can do more you know and i eventually i also i also studied abroad in paris when i was doing my undergrad because because uh, I was like, you know what, if she went, then I can go too. So, yeah. So this for me really came from a tweet that I saw uh, someone share. Uh, they shared a really sweet moment between this person and their dad. Um, and it was someone that was studying to become a doctor and... Really randomly, their dad comes into their room with a cup of coffee and says, you know, I've been seeing how hard you're working and I know that you're going to be a great doctor and I can't wait to um, see all that happen or something along those lines. And so if I want to answer this question about what has been most impactful for me and for my family along those those lines in terms of like share a moment that I realized that what I was doing um, with my academics was meaningful to them. Um, it was a moment, I don't remember where we were going. I don't remember small details in that way, but I remember it was uh, a drive, uh, me, my dad, and my grandmother. And, you know, my dad turns over to my grandma and says, you know, who would have thought that my daughter and your granddaughter were, you know, would go to um, UCLA and do all these amazing things. And at the time, I remember that it was, I think I had, it was when I just learned that I got it, I had gotten accepted into, into UCLA. And so he was like, you know, who, who would have thought that us being from a small country in Salvador, um, and, you know, somebody that, you know, grew up in, in, in the mercado because my grandma was, um, made her living making food and selling school supplies. So who would have thought that, you know, my daughter and, and me growing up in the mercado and you, you know, making your living in the mercado um, would have a, a, a daughter that, you know, accomplished so many amazing things. And in the moment, I did not respond because if I, th I think if I would have said something and said, you know, you know, you're amazing regardless of what, you know, you've ac accomplished or tried to respond to them and to that in any sort of way, I think I would have just burst into like ugly Kim K tears. <laughs> but um, it was a moment that I, that I carried with me for the rest of my academic career and it carried with me um, even now. Um, because I've always, I've always made the effort to carry my community and carry my family into these spaces that, um, into where, you know, they quote unquote wouldn't normally be in. Um, 
And so regardless, I think I, there are many critiques and, and my own personal opinions that I've shared about academia and, and, and professional spaces that still, um, you know, still hold. I think despite those those critiques, I do feel um, impacted by the fact that, you know, these accomplishments make my family feel proud, you know, and that's something that I, I am always impacted by, you know, making them proud, um, right? Academia and professional spaces with all their flaws and all their critiques that I very much still hold, I think makes... Um, it's an it's an accomplishment that makes my parents and my community um, feel proud, and I remember um, that notion of them fe- feeling proud of me um, was something that it helped me get through the difficult moments in academia. I remember feeling super intimidated, both at UCLA and at Harvard. Um, and in those moments that I would feel intimidated, you know, I would say, yes, I would tell myself, yes, this is me in these rooms. This is, this is me physically in these spaces. Um, but it's also, you know, my family in, the, in these spaces. It's also my community in these spaces. And that thought of having my my community and my family, like, with me, um, made, like, really helped me, um, move forward and really helped me overcome those those struggles and as first gen students they are there are you know these struggles that we experience as a result of these systemic issues right in our society because we usually come from you know low income backgrounds or underserved backgrounds and so um i want to connect it back to what to our why you know to what is the purpose of us um, going through, uh, these struggles. Yeah. Um, I guess before I jump to the question, um, I do want to say, like, I want to celebrate us because none of us mentioned sort of graduation, um, as an impactful moment for ourselves or our family. But I think that is in itself sort of, I feel maybe it's a given. That's why at least it didn't come up for me first because graduation, once you complete and knowing how limited first gen, uh, first-gen populations are in acad- uh, academia, just graduation and completion, knowing the struggles and the barriers is sort of just a huge thing. So snaps to us all for completing not only our yes. bachelor's, um, but also our master's um, because we pass over to a super small percentage of Latinos with college degrees. So kudos to all of us. Um, sort of to your question, Sarai, that you mentioned why we do it I think it's really something that I've carried with me always since I wrote my personal statements out of high school is uh, giving back to my community Um, and then just that community is what what the definition of community is what has changed for myself first it was community like my home immediate community um, community community like it in multiple forms and multiple people who I define as community in different settings Um, and just giving back in whatever way we can. And you know, I think what makes us friends now that I'm hearing all of this and and sort of having this conversation is sort of that sentiment of helping others. And I think um, that's what really like makes us click and why I think we all sort of 
agreed and knew that this was going to be possible to do this because that's one of I feel one of like our foundational sort of I don't know, like at our core to help others um, because we've lived through like the struggles but yeah that that's what that's why I do it to help others so that some, when someone wants to pursue um, public health or someone wants to pursue a health career um, they can know that I may not have all the answers but I can help you navigate the systems that I've already navigated to have an answer in fewer questions than and fewer like and less time than what I had to go through but yeah that's what it is yeah I mean for me it's basically the same thing it's um you know at first it's sort of like for for what I was doing this for at first it was kind of just like you know my family and and I it's kind of like you know they've always taught me like you know go on and do something you know um that you know you had the opportunity to do here that we didn't have in Mexico um and then as I started getting into like you know urban planning you know that that expanded to just like not wanting to to help not just my family you know in terms of like being able to give back you know financially helping them out so that um we don't have to struggle as much as we did early on um but in terms of now it's like in, in terms of my career it's like i all these things that i grew up with that i thought were normal um turns out to be they were like you know systemic things that affected us in ways the fact that a lot of kids in our middle schools and high schools in East LA had some sort of uh, breathing problem with asthma. Um, um, I, I just thought that was normal, uh, but you know, as I as I studied city planning, turns out you know it's all this all the toxic air from us being like in a a very very busy intersection of a couple of freeways that you know crisscross our community. And the fact that, you know, they could have they could have gone through somewhere else, but you know, people with more money and more resources said no. So, you know, they decided to put them through our community. So, why I do why I do this? Why why do I do it? You know, my purpose. You know, to help help others educationally. You know, so that they don't have to go through the same struggles that I did, and they can have it easier in a sense. Um, you know. Go, reaching what I did and beyond um, and in the in a in a social sense like Tamar says we sort of click with this at our core is like of helping others uh, you know it's it shouldn't have to be that way where where um, people struggle because of these disadvantages that were set you know decades ago so I definitely think that um, as a you know as individuals I think um, we're definitely uh, people that have or or that are very purpose driven and i i would even say like very collaborative in the way that um and the way that we like i guess lead and by lead i don't mean like we're you know um leading it just means like the way that we um like and like como nos desarrollamos right in what we do um i think that's we're very purpose driven and very collaborative and like both of you have said um very I guess um helpful like we we do like to to be able to help and um in whatever way or whatever capacity or whatever 
for shape, way, or form. So I won't add much, much um, else to that. Um, I just kind of want to end our this segment on um, one question, and that's like, I guess not one question, but this um, prompt of like, if we had, or if you had one piece of advice to give to a student, a current student, current first gen student, um, what would that be? I'm gonna bring it back to our. Or was I think IGTV right? Our best quote: um, "It's don't compare yourself to others." Again, um, one of my professors told me that my biology professor at community college, because everybody's experience is different, and because the most known path um, usually has a ton of gaps of where I or we uh, will don't fall into either. That's like affluence or like unlimited resources or having a parent at home that went to college or having a car to drive me to school every day as soon as I get out of high school like so many other things so I think that's what like the main like path that folks know is considers all of that um where our reality as first-gen students is not that so yeah don't compare yourselves to others and don't be afraid to ask questions find your sort of your anchor I want to say or your go-to where in in an academic space and hopefully you're able to to find that person in every academic space in which you're in so that they can help you or who who you can can like go to to ask these questions and just to help you feel I guess at home uh but yeah that's what that's what my advice would be and uh for me uh, I would say, um, you know, coming from uh, first-gen students usually come from these like underserved uh, high schools. So when you realize, you know, that a eight to three o'clock schedule is not what you're going to be having in college, you have all this free time. Um, don't, you know, Netflix is tempting. So don't get distracted. Uh, focus of course um don't you know burn yourself out just doing that you know take some time off to de-stress take some time off to um you know just some personal time off to you know visit family visit friends or um or sign up for um if your if your school is already paying for you to go to the um for your gym fees you know go to the gym find find a sport that you like or a club that you like you know participate something to you know, keep you uh, centered, you know, and not just like burned out the whole time. Um, and like Tamara said, ask questions, uh, reach out to people. Don't, don't be afraid to like, you know, ask somebody. Um, I feel like a lot of us that have gone through these things, like if somebody asks us, we're more than, you know, happy to, to um, help out. So if you're hearing this and you have some questions, you know, feel free to DM us and we'll help you out as well. We'll, we'll connect you with um, either one of us that, might be most related to, to that experience that you're going through or um, somebody that we might know that um, will be able to give you a better, a better um, uh, answer to your question. Um, and another thing is, you know, don't be afraid to like, to, to um, make choices that are out of your comfort zone. Um, if you know, like, for, you know, studying abroad for example i know for some people that might be like a little scary because you know being away from like the people that you love the people that you know for so long um 
I know for some people I've heard, you know, it's, it's difficult, but in the end they say like, oh man, it was so awesome. I would do it again if I could. So, you know, things like that, if, if you can, um, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, go to go ahead and, and take those, uh, take advantage of those opportunities. So those are all really good um, recommendations. I think that if I had one piece of advice to give is based entirely on my own experience um, is to ask for help cautiously. I think that um, it's important to ask for help. I think, and but and this is this goes to this is geared towards like administration and faculty and um, advisors. Um, definitely ask help, right? Advisors when you need academic advisement, do it. Um, but just based on my own experience, um, a lot of the time their recommendations might not be the best for you. Um, Right. If I would have listened to my community college advisor, um, I wouldn't have not. I would have not, you know, transferred to use like my whole career uh, academic trajectory would have been completely different. Um, so I would say ask ask for help, but also know that um, if it's something that you say, well, no, this you know this recommendation or this advisement doesn't align with what I see for myself or for with what like what I want for myself I think definitely take the initiative and you know figure out what kind of classes you need talk to other people that are not advisors you know um, colleagues or reach out to anybody in your network and and reach out to them um, because advisors don't always know what's best and that that's not to say that I'm encouraging people not to go to their advisors do it just again ask for help cautiously um so we want to end our first episode and our future episodes on a last segment our ask us segment so we've posted um an ig ask us story and one of our questions that we will address today is what is the origin and the purpose of hispanic heritage month is it a facade um, I can start off. I think that the, or not, I mean, not, I think the purpose, or at least through research, right? Um, so every year the U.S. observes National uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. It starts from September 15th and runs up to, up until October 15th. So it's a full 30, um, 30 days a month, you know, meant to celebrate the cultures and the contributions and the histories um, of U.S. Um, residents, citizens, um, people who live in the U.S. now, um, whose ancestors or whose great-grandparents uh, or whose family or, who, or whose roots are in, in um, Latin American countries and also, you know, Spain and uh, Spanish-speaking um countries. And so this started in 1968 um, as Hispanic Heritage Week under Pre President Lyndon Johnson and was then expanded by President Ronald Reagan um, in 19 1988 to cover that full 30-day period. Um, and was, I think it was the date, um, August 17th, 1988, where it was, um, you know, en enacted 
by law. Um, and so the beginning of the, of this Hispanic Heritage Month, September 15th, is significant in the, in, in that it's the, the, the date or a lot of different Latin American countries share the same um, Independence Day. Um, for example, I know it's Costa Rica, um, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, uh, Nicaragua. And then I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Temi and um, Atla, but um, Mexico's Independence Day is on the 16th. Um, and also I think Chile is on the 16th. And then there's other Latin American countries that also celebrate their Independence Days um, in September. So back then it was, you know, I think it was viewed as a step towards um, visibility um, under the, the umbrella term of Hispanic that people started using in the U.S. or I guess, yeah, in to refer to Spanish-speaking um, and Latin American descendants. Um, I personally sometimes, um, not that I don't acknowledge Hispanic Heritage Month, it's just... I think that it's a very, um, I think I, I kind of cringe sometimes at the word Hispanic. Um, but also I know that, right, that's the term that, that that's used to, to identify us. But I also acknowledge that by using the term Hispanic, you know, those um, with African and indigenous roots who are from Latin American countries who don't necessarily always speak Spanish often feel, feel left out of those conversations and that celebration um, under that label. So when dozens of countries' um, traditions are meant to be represented or um, in in this one month, right? Um, are any of them actually getting their due like acknowledgement or due um, celebration? That's a question for you and for you for Atla or Tammy. Yeah, I was. I thought you were gonna say that's a question for the audience to think about. But no, yeah, like uh, honestly, while like I also now not more than before, I think I also um, cringe or question the categorization of people into ethnicities or race, um, knowing that race is not biological, and at least in my sort um, of my field, the way that we categorize people to ethnicities. Um, a race and what the implications of that in our research on health um the implications are huge so now more often than before i also i'm hesitant of merging people especially if i if i don't know what they identify with um if they don't identify as hispanic or if they don't identify as latinx or latino latina um I avoid doing that until I know that they do. Um, but I also agree, Sally, what you mentioned about how uh, umbrella term of Hispanic um, contributes to the erasure of indigenous experiences. Um, and I think the U.S. Uh, were not there to admit that because I feel even like within our groups, um, as Latinx or Latino, Latinas, Hispanic, there are still folks within these groups where are where we see the benefits of being merged to having some sort of power that um, diving in and being critical of what we could potentially, where we could potentially be if we analyzed 
the expansion or we sort of like teased out the different identities within these two categories um people are not there yet um um yeah so that's like my my thoughts on that Uh, yeah, and, you know, I completely agree and go off of what Tamar said. And um, part of the question somebody asked, you know, is it kind of like a facade, you know, this Hispanic Heritage Month? Um, and before it would be like, you know, something just to like celebrate. But now that I think about it, um, I feel, you know, in a sense, it is for me some sort of like facade because like you're celebrating, you're meant to celebrate these people, but you know, systemically, what have you done anything in the country to help them out? Or are we just gonna keep this month to celebrate them? You know? So, um, you know, and that's across, you know, you know, decades of kind of not um, doing something significant that would help this community. Uh, same goes with like Black History Month, uh, you know, these must meant to like, you know, celebrate um, these communities, but, you know, why not just do something that's <laughs> going to help them at a systematic level that will not keep them at this, you know, this disadvantage that uh, these groups have been for, you know, decades. Um, and we'll go into more, we'll go into some of this, you know, in our in, in another episode, you know, where in terms of like access to like home loans, there was like redlining where they wouldn't lend um, good loans to black people, to um, you know Latinos in 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 LA and across the, across different cities in the U.S. So that already set up certain groups already ahead. Um, financially than others. So I feel it, it, it's, a, it's, it, it's nice to, to uh, remember or to celebrate, you know, the communities, but I feel there should be just, to, there should be something else done, you know, not just the, this like celebration once a year. Um, there should be effort and, um, you know, change at a systemic level. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of um, different issues that are involved with um, Hispanic Heritage Month um, that I feel like we'll go into in other episodes because it's just it, it would not be enough to to just talk about it right now. But I think another uh, thing that that I have an issue with is that you know why are we only celebrated in one month of the whole year? Right, aside from the fact that like within cultures we are completely different and you know a lot of the times these kinds of acts of like hispanic heritage month kind of clump us as one and we do have a lot of similarities you know but there are also cultural differences that should be celebrated um and so out of the whole year right we only get one month where they're like okay let's pat them on the back they did great and then continue to like terrorize our communities right ice and all these different things um so we'll talk about all of these different things in other future episodes but for now i think that's where we we will leave it um and we hope that you continue to listening um 
We hope you continue to listen, to tune in, and we hope that you are excited just as much as we are to kind of share our perspective on things. So we will see you soon, or I guess here you will hear us soon. Um, Yeah, we'll let you go. Is there anything else you all want to add? No, just listen in. Um, uh, I think today was a good sort of jump towards where we want to take the rest of our conversations into um so yeah keep tuning in follow us on our social media platforms yeah yeah stay tuned for our next episodes and if you have any questions um anything that you want us to talk about feel free to dm us and uh, we'll keep in touch all right bye